Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week are Rhys Haldane. Rhys, hello, how are you? Alright boys, uh, good to be back on again. I'm looking forward to this one. Manpreet Singh's here, hello Manpreet. Good to be uh, back man, trying my team to fortune that seems so awesome football. David Forrest here, hello David. Hello, still buzzing from Thursday. And also joining us is special guest panellist Ray Bradshaw. Ray, hello, how are you? I'm good man, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I still high off Thursday. Before we start, Ray, do you want to tell us a wee bit about yourself for, for listeners that might not know? Yeah, you're obviously a very talented stand-up comedian and you've also hosted um, a successful Scottish football podcast for a number of years, but do you want to tell the listeners a wee bit about yourself? I think you've just done it, to be honest, so thanks, Matt. Uh, but also, I feel like I'm at my first day at school and you need to stand up and go around the circle <laughs> and tell you like your favourite <laughs> hobbies in French or something. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ray. Uh, I went, I've been a Thistle fan for about 25 years. My first game I saw is in a relegation playoff against Dundee United in the mid-90s. And since then, yeah, I've done stand-up for about 12 years. I've won four awards. Thanks for bringing it up. Done all kinds of stuff. Lots of football stuff. Hosted off the ball. Interviewed Gary Caldwell, that I'm sure we'll talk about later. Played in Chris Dillon's testimonial, which made me feel like I was in the Make-A-Wish kid. Uh, I saw all kinds of stuff. I'll come back to the, the Caldwell interview definitely later. I, I mind the, the Soccer FM podcast when you were talking about that. It was a good one. It's so awkward. <laughs> it's so awkward. Um, I'll start with you. Um, we obviously had a lot of suspensions and injuries yesterday and we only three subs, three outfield subs on the bench. Were there any surprises for you in the starting 11 yesterday? What did you make of it? The team, I think we got the best out of what we could. I started Senna and Lines just because I think Lines is now at the point where he's just crying out for a, a just a run of games, giving them 25 minutes at the end of every single game isn't going to get them to the levels that was up from Trolls last year. Like you could even tell yesterday, didn't, he struggled to get into the game because like he's not started, he's not had a run of games. It's almost as if it's literally, right, toss him on for the final 20, try and do something out of nothing. Yesterday, we had nothing going forward, which is always going to happen. But moving on from the Lions debate, which is obviously one that all fans will pretty much talk about, the first half were much better. The second half, I think we kind of got bombarded. We, we all knew how they were going to set up. But I was quite surprised at how they set up because you looked at our team, we've got a, a right back and left back, a left back and centre mid. We've got no striker and it was still the modern performances that we've all became used to going to Capelo. Ten men behind the ball, punt long balls into the box. At any opportunity possible, get a long throw into the box. You've got three centre-halves that are giants and uh, it, it was baffling how bad they are for how bad our team was. Probably lost the game in the 90, in my opinion. We would, like, if, they, if they were going off a fair result, a 1-0 Martin win would have been like the fair result. But I guess it's a first clean sheet this season. Another game but we've not scored in, which is now, I think, 4 out of 12 we've scored. So we, like, I know it's including friendlies against Hearts and all that, but we're currently scoring what like one three 
like that just isn't good enough. Obviously, we've had the striker problems and all that, but when you look at the stats for scoring goals, that isn't it for Hull is worrying. And then when you combine the whole season so far, that's worrying. David, what did you make of the performance yesterday? I mean, it was one of the most dullest Thistle games I've ever watched in my life. It was there was absolutely nothing going on. I mean, we we didn't look overtly terrible, but we didn't look in any way good either, um, which was a bit concerning. But then again, you have to chalk up to the fact that we had four subs in the bench, uh, which is quite frankly embarrassing. I remember we were all talking, I think it was the, the F- F- Caldwell first season. At the end of it, we were unable to feel uh, a full bench and things like that. People, this is embarrassing. We're just back at that stage. For, for the, the ragtag squad that we had of whoever was left that wasn't injured, you know, obviously they pulled together and they were able to get a, a draw, which against a, a team in the league above us is, you know, we, we can't sniff that. But I was quite disappointed to first to go out of the League Cup. I know League One is a priority this year, but it's the first time we've not advanced out of the groups and I was a bit disappointed, to be honest, that... You know, it, it, it kind of just fell flat like that. But yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. It was. It was so boring. See, with a league cup group, to be fair, David, we did get kind of shafted with the, the quality in the group. If you look at everybody else's, and we kind of had like the one game we wanted to avoid was Mirren first, and we had them first, and the result flattered them. Which once you started off a group, three minus three goals down, you know, it was. Always going to be a mountain to climb. And then yesterday's game, as soon as Simmons scored, I think both teams are pretty much just like, right, it's literally a battle between who can finish second and third. Right, it's just nothing. I think we had a, a bad 20 minutes against St. Mirren, but other than that, we held our own in every game and we performed pretty well. And it's probably a blessing in disguise that we're out because we'd only get Rangers or Celtic away anyway. And you're not going to get that much income from those games because Celtic aren't streaming them anyway and there's no gate money. Ray, are we now penalty experts along with Scotland? Uh, we've both won our last two penalty shootouts. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> us play football, but we are definitely not penalty experts. I think what the guys are saying is that yesterday was boring as hell, but I think also, see with the level that we're at now, we have to kind of treat the League Cup as a pre-season because, yeah, we got some games in against Hearts and one against BSC, but the actual first few games we played will be our pre-season like you said Matt 20 minutes against uh, St Mirren aside we played alright I mean Man Pete was talking about Morton being boring that is exactly the way that Dave Hopkins sets his teams up and it's worked against us in the past like when he was at Livy when they beat us going up um, they're not fun to watch but they're relatively effective I think yesterday it was one of those I think it's only really diehard fans and idiots that would have watched that game yesterday because we all knew there was nothing going to be happening by the end of it and we all knew that it was very unlikely we're going to qualify. I think probably the biggest thing to take away for it is not conceding a late goal, keeping a clean sheet. But yeah, it strikes me, like, I think it was your tweet, Matt, I think I saw you and uh, maybe James Kearney or something like that talking about it. It's worrying just now that we are, what, three, four league games in, eight, four, um, Cup games in as well and when you see the team put out you have to have a discussion with other people as to what formation we're playing because it doesn't seem like we've got a settled team injuries have played a part in that suspension and stuff like that but formation as well and that's why I was quite surprised not to see Senna or Lyons starting yesterday because 
yesterday essentially was a friendly because there was no way we were going to qualify. So why not give them the game time? I'd agree with that. A fair point. You mentioned that we're, we're rubbish at penalties, Ray. Who do you think should take them? We've been sort of talking about this all week. Bannigan, obviously, missed a couple last season, but his record's pretty good. Graham missed one last week. Who would you like to see in the penalties going forward? Tough. I wouldn't mind. Let's just go old school and let the goalies hit them. Let's okay. let go Shillivert style. I mean, Wright was on. I thought Wright was probably one of our best players yesterday. I thought Bannigan had a good game. I think I've been at every... Because I don't get to a lot of games because I work away a lot of weekends. Um, I think I've been at every game where Bannigan's missed a penalty. So maybe not him. The meltdown you've just caused by saying Bannigan's had a good game, mate. There were people fuming right now listening to this. That's completely fine. I thought he played quite decent yesterday. I think Bannigan was Bannigan was good yesterday. I think and this will probably get me more sick. I think he's an easy scapegoat because he's kind of come down with us. And yeah, sometimes he's not our best player, but I do think I think it's interesting to see whether we do fit him and Doherty in together and what happens after that. But I think I think he's a scapegoat in the way that I mean, you guys have been Thistle fans for long enough. You'll know that on average every season there's about three scapegoats for no no real reason. And that's how it will go. So I think he could be Sean one. Sean Welsh was the one I always remember. Sean Welsh was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone hated him for ages. getting the Sean Welsh treatment this season. Like, like last week, I'm sure he's probably played better than Doc. But it was still, what the fuck did in Banzo? And you're like, there's no winning for that guy. It's time to do what I mean. I think also, I mean, I'll always favour him over Doherty because he doesn't look like a chalk ice on his head. No, uh, Reese. We've we've spoken before on the podcast about. I know we've just spoken about Bannigan, but Penrice as well been scapegoated, and it's probably because, as Ray said, they have come down the leagues with us. They've been at the club for a while. Uh, do you want to talk about those two in midfield yesterday? And you've been a wee bit critical about Kieran Wright, but has he managed to turn you around with his performances in the last couple of weeks? Aye, well, I'll start on Kieran Wright. Then uh, I thought Kieran Wright did have his best game for us in a fussle jersey yesterday. He made some real top draw saves to keep us in the tie. If I'm going to be critical, I still think his kicking's a little bit dodgy. And it was one instance in the first half where he had a trampette in his boot and he almost let Martin get in and nick the ball away. But aye, I'll give him it. He was good yesterday and maybe I've been a bit harsh on him. But aye, he's, he's won me over with yesterday. And a keeper that can make penalty saves is always a good thing, isn't it? Aye, Pen- Penrice looked really assured in midfield. And I feel that every time he plays there, he, he always does look comfortable. But I still feel he's a better left-back long-term. With Docker, he's still coming to the side as well. So I. For the long term, I think he'll be back at left-back. Banzo, as we've said, he had his best game of the season yesterday. Covered every blade of grass. His ball retention was brilliant. And I can't really remember him giving the ball away on many occasions. Michael Max mentioned in commentary, he was suggesting that that was done to Doherty's omission for the side yesterday. I'm not too sure about that because I think that they actually complement each other well. I know they're a bit similar, but I feel that it's a good midfield pairing, especially for League One. Yeah, on yesterday's performances as well, I just want to touch on Charlie Riley. I thought he looked really tricky when he came on. Showed great hustle and he harried Morton every time they had the ball. And I thought he was really direct and he got he got a couple of Morton players in the book later on. So, going forward, I'd like to see him get a couple more minutes because I was impressed with him. Uh, do, you, Reece, do you think the captain's armband had anything to do with Bannigan's improved performance yesterday? Uh, I'm not too sure. Maybe he had a point to prove. I think he probably feels like he should be, still be captain. I think he was kind of kind of harshly stripped of the captaincy last season. I don't think that's a that's a thing that Bannigan would get caught up about. I think Bannigan's a, a top pro. I don't think he, he gets too caught up with that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that would make a difference to be honest. And see with the Penrith stuff, I think it's going to be 
that's the kind of player who's going to be vital for us for this season because when we do pick up injuries like that, guys like him and Foster who can play three or four different positions are going to help us out in the long run so much. That's the type of players we've kind of needed. Like yep. People that can do a job at left-back or right-back because their injuries, frankly, are just terrible. That When you look at it, that you've got two left-backs, two right-backs, but we kind of, out of the four, we kind of do need somebody that can play both because it's fizzle. <laughs> Ray, we've been a bit critical of Foster this season and obviously you're, you're in an echo chamber if there's four or five of you that agree on the same things. What have you made of Foster so far? Um, it's a hard one because I think he comes to us as a guy who has played at decent levels and like I think he played in the Champions League for Rangers. He was kind of that level. And I think when we sign someone like that, there's too much expectation. on He's at the end of his career. I think... He is. I was pretty happy when we signed him. To be honest, I thought that's a good, versatile signing. I don't think he's going to start every game. I think he'll put a shift in when he's there. And yeah, I think I think he'll be okay. I think so far he's been fine. I thought yesterday he played pretty decent. I've got a mate who's a Morton fan, and he texts me. He was like, "I hate Ricky Foster, but I think he's played pretty well today." Um, also, just as a side note, I completely forgot Sean McGinty played for them, and I actually forgot he existed. Like, just the minute he left, I just put him out of my mind. And when I saw him yesterday, I was like, oh, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Somebody scored some penalty. I know, I it was know lovely. Why, yeah. I don't know why I didn't have him in the Did you see him? We have a new feature on this week's podcast called Social Media Howlers. And to take you through it this week are Jamie McDonald and Kieran Ashton. Welcome to the social media blunder section with uh, myself and Kieran as we discuss some of the interesting things that Fistle fans have put over on social media after following games and just over the week. This is our first one, so hopefully you enjoy it. first thing we were going to talk about was the penalty takers, because after the Falkirk game, after Brian Graham missed a penalty, I put a poll up in the Fistle Facebook group to see what people would think about who they'd want to be a potential taker. Cardo won the vote with 57 votes, I think. And Blue Spittle came in second with 36, Brian Graham coming in third, with Banagin coming in fourth place with 12, who's usually our regular taker. Uh, it was quite a surprising decision for us in the group chat, in the podcast group chat, to see that Spittle are coming for second place with 36 votes, even though he's taken three penalties for us and missed all three. It's quite a strange sight for us. We were kind of confused as to why he's got such a high vote. I mean, he got three times the amount of votes that Banagin got, and he's had an 80% conversion rate for his scoring eight out of 10 penalties. So, so it was quite surprising for us. And what did you think about it, Kim? Pretty much as you said, I thought it was pretty surprising as well. The amount that he got, the, the gap between him and Banigan, who obviously has promising stats, 80% conversion rate. The fact that he got more than that is a bit bizarre to me. I mean, personally, when Banigan um, steps up to the penalty spot, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel confident. However, I um, didn't know he had that good uh, conversion rate, so the, the stats don't lie, to be honest, but I don't know. It was a bit of a weird, a weird decision. Yeah, I definitely feel, I don't feel fully confident with Banigan ever stepping up, to be honest, but I don't feel confident anyone stepping up on our squad, given how bad a penalty... Just, it just seems like whoever takes the message from Forrest. Yeah, we've not, we've not think... had a good penalty, penalty taker in years. No, I, I don't think we have either. I think I feel more confident with Banning stepping up a blue spell, mm-hmm. but 
personally, I'd like to see Joe Pardo take a few. Mm-hmm. It was quite convincing when they shoot out today against Martin. to quite a convincing penalty. I don't think he's taking a penalty in real time, like excluding penalty shootouts, etc. Um, he's not. He's. I, w- I wouldn't mind either going with Cardo, trying something, see if it works, or going back to Bannigan because the stats, the stats really speaks for itself. The guard now are poor fitness records with Sackler out due to injury, Salim being out, Brian Graham obviously missing the work game today due to suspension. However, he would be a first fit striker. Relatively, right now we only have one fit striker, and we do need to look into the loan markets. However, following that, someone suggested we won't name them. We look into the free agents and uh, in for Livingston striker Dolly Menga, uh, who has been uh, released. Um, he thinks that's worth a shout. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that sounds very promising considering he's only scored one goal in 18 months. Yes, we do need to look into the loan market, and yes, we need to do look into free agents because only having one fit striker at the current moment is bad. However, having a player who has scored one goal in 18 months is. That, that doesn't fill me up with confidence at all. Uh, yeah, I'm just echoing what you're saying, basically, Kieran. Like, Dolly Mengo, I don't think, would really add anything to our squad. He's got quite a big frame, so I suppose he could you could argue be good for hold-up play, but I don't think he's what we need right now. He's scored two goals over the last two seasons, and uh, Livingston for 18 months in a loan spell out in Angolia, I believe. I mean, he's just remembered for scoring a scrappy goal against Rangers and Hearts. I just don't think he'd add anything to the squad, and he's just not really what we need to get the situation. Right now, obviously, everyone's entitled to their opinion about who we should bring in. I just, I just don't think he's the answer to our problems right now. Uh, the third and final one we're going to talk about this week in the first edition of the social media blunders section is that we were going to talk about not exactly festival related, but it is to do with Scotland and team lineups. Uh, usually, we'll talk about festival, but we've just seen a lot of fans over social media in the last couple of days after the Scotland game. After we obviously qualified first major tournament in 22 years, people have been criticising Steve Clark's lineups even after we qualified. I just, I just, it's just beyond me. Like we've qualified for our first major tournament in over two decades, and people are still finding something to complain about. I understand that the lineup may not have produced the most pretty football over the last couple of games to to watch over some of the games. We have got quite ugly wins, but I mean we've been getting the results, and Steve Clark's actually, he's in, he's kind of got rid of that bias of only bringing in players from down south to call them up or from the old firm. He's been bringing in some interesting players, some Motherwell players into the team, Kilmarnock players into the team. You know, he's really mixed it up and I've been impressed with how the team's done. And we've obviously qualified. So I don't see what there is to complain about. It's absolutely monumental for the country what we've done. So what do you think about that, Kieran? I'm bewildered. The fans, even after, as you said, we've qualified for our first major tournament in 22 years um, and people are still out moaning about the line up even after we've won. It's, it's beyond me and I generally didn't think there was anything wrong with it, me personally. Um, it's, it's a line-up that's worked. It's a set-up that's got us to that point where we can actually do it, you know what I mean? I think we might not be the prettiest as, as ugly, ugly football. It's got us the results. It's got us to where we ultimately want to be. I thought defence was solid throughout the game. Sebria barely touched us, um, really. They had a few you know, touch-and-go moments within the game, I mean, I had a few shots here and there, but I thought we contained them very well, we moved the ball about very well, and we were very lucky in the second half not to be up about 3-0. Um, I would say, however, the, the subs were wrong, and um, I, know that I know it doesn't really matter now, because we have one, it, it doesn't care, but that's what I would say, and I generally thought, when he brought on um, McBurney for Dykes, I believe, I, I generally thought he'd, he'd, he'd fucked it, and I was like, see if it's, um, see if we don't win this tonight, it, the blame does go to Clark for making that making that substitution. I thought he fucked it with the subs, but um, that's my only real criticism. 
criticism and it doesn't matter anyway. We won, you know, so happy days. doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's got us to where we wanted to be. Thank you very much for listening to this week's social media blunder section. Obviously, this is its debut week, so please let us know how you think it went. And if you'd like to see more of this and hear more about what me and Kieran have got to say, so cheers for listening. David, what have you made of Blair Lyon so far this season? Obviously, he's not got a start yet, but he did get his biggest chunk of game time yesterday with a, an injury. What have you made of him? We've been consistently in the podcast, you know, vying for Lions to get a start and get more game time and stuff like that because you feel that he's a, a real talent. He proved the last year with Montrose that he'd be really handy in this league. I think he played all right yesterday. Um, I, again, like the game wasn't exactly the greatest game in the history of the world. So, you know, nobody's going to look absolutely sparkling. But no, I think he played very well. I think I think we all were a bit worried when uh, Spittle went off that, that that was kind of us snookered, so to speak. But I thought he played quite well. I I don't think La- I don't think Lyons has been outstanding in any of the... I don't think he's really stood out. But I think what's confusing for me is the players that are ahead of him in the pecking order, like Gordon and Murray... And even Spittle and Cardle, I know they've had maybe one or two good games each, but they've not been consistently outstanding, and you wouldn't say they're, they've been undroppable. So I'd say that's the confusing bit from my point of view about Lions, why he's not getting more of a chance. I think Shea Gordon is uh, the biggest disappointment we have on a regular basis. And he's someone who, I don't see the Lions thing is purely because he we were told by loads of intros fans and people who watched a lot of League One last season that he's exciting so automatically we want to see him because he's the type of player that you enjoy watching like a Joe Cardo or whatever but yeah I think when all the players you mentioned there Shea Gordon's one for me that continually frustrates me I was, we spoke about him a few weeks ago and it's like if he doesn't score he doesn't do anything Yeah, but he is that goal scoring midfielder so it's hard to, hard to take him out but when he doesn't score it seems to be anonymous one thing about lines as well that I was wanting to add in there See as much like people are slating him on the forums and that. Like until he's genuinely had a run of three, four games where he's been consistently shite and consistently invisible like Gordon and, and Spittle can or have done, you can't slate him because he's he's literally playing off scraps. Like he's just getting through into games and it's a case of go up front and hopefully chase one of these punt balls that's gonna get put up to you. You've got a fucking six foot centre half that's just going to sit and win every header against you with trying to do something like that. And it's just not going to work. I think also what you're relying there is football fans to be rational, which doesn't happen, man. I remember being at Furhill and watching, it was either his first or his second game, this is what, probably 2004, 2005, and Stevie Fulton, one fan in front of me, was booing him in the warm up. And he's either made one or two appearances <laughs> for us. So I think, to be honest, when you see stuff like on the on Twitter and on forums about people slagging certain players, the, like you said there, man, Pete, their opinions can't be just until you've seen the person play regularly. Yeah, people are totally entitled to their opinions on guys like Gordon and Bannigan and guys who've played 20, 30, 40, 50 times or more in the last couple of years. But when a guy's only played, like you said, what, 20 minutes regularly over three or four weeks, you can't critique someone with that. I think we've got like quite a lot of guys that have, who do regularly comment who have been to games for like 20, 30 years and they're a wee bit like Graham Souness with their views and they just see Lions haircut and the coloured boots and they're like, no, nah, this guy's not for me. <laughs> uh, if he, if he totally. doesn't score in 30 yards on his debut, he's not for me. 
think uh, that'll be spittle done for us then? Because that's six weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a major kick in the balls as well, man, because always just feels at one step forward and two steps <laughs> back. Always, man. No, I was just going to say, we can never catch a break with it, man. Like, and it always seems to be key players. It's never really, oh, you've got some backup left-back that's out injured. It's first-team striker. It's your second-choice striker. It's your main creative player. We can't catch a break. See, if Falkirk had these injuries, we'd all be buzzing, and it gives you such a push. But it's us, isn't it? It's always Fissel. Earlier this week, David Forrest spoke to Michael McCall from the Glory Days of Gold podcast about Saturday's game against East Fife. I'm joined by Michael McCall of the Glory Days of Gold podcast, the East High Fan Podcast. Hello, Michael. Hi, David. So we'll just get into it uh, straight away. Obviously, looking ahead to the game against East Fife, where it's kind of a precarious situation because it's six versus seven. I know there's only four games into the season, but um, we are kind of closely matched in the table. East Fife, you know, the, the League Cup you know, on Saturday, for example, they lost 1 0 to Inverness. What are your thoughts on East Fife so far this season? It's been a really tough start to the season in terms of quality of opposition. They've had eight games, four in the league, four in the cup. And out of that, we've been playing, I think, three teams in the cup that that were above us in the league. We lost each of those just by one goal. So we're competitive against teams from a higher opposition. Then we, we started the season with a couple of tough away games at Cove Rangers and Falkirk. So... It's been hard to kind of read too much into just what East Fife are like this season. Dumbarton was our last league game. That was probably a, a good test as to where we are. And we won that one I, against yourselves. Again, I put that down in the really tough category. It's an away trip to one of the teams that I feel is going to be favourites for, for going up this year. So it might still be a couple of weeks before you really see the, the proper East Fife turn up. But the signs are there that they're actually putting something together this year. Is, what is the sort of plan with East Fife? Are they challenging in the playoffs? Are they just consolidating in the league or just you know avoiding relegation? Is there a sort of a, a, a strife in East Fife to challenge to the playoffs or is it just a case of settle for what you've got? No, they, they they want to be the playoffs. That That's the target this year. The last two seasons, they've just missed out on the playoffs. The, the curtailed season... We don't know what was going to happen with that because we had just fallen out of the top four just before the lockdown came, just in our last game. But up to that, like we had been at the top, we were challenging against full-time teams, Wraith and Falkirk, and we'd had a really good season. So the feeling is that this year we can do the same again and they're targeting third or fourth because, like I said, the expectation was probably that Falkirk and yourselves are, are going to fill the top two spots. I expected Cove Rangers to to be really, really good. And that is what's happened. So I think fourth is really what they're looking for right now. I think, you know, breaking into the top three is probably going to be very tough, although based on our recent performance, it might be quite easy. Yeah, I think that that has got to be the reasonable aim if you're a part-time team to try and get in through the the playoff trap door, so to speak. So in terms of the team, who is it that is kind of leading the charge race, Fife? I know you said that that they're not really the, the fully formed team yet. 
So what what's it? How's it been panning out? With that? Is there anybody we should be looking out for? The, the main danger guy to watch for is the on loan striker that we have from Livingston, Jack Hamilton. He scored five goals so far in the eight games, and he really should have had a sixth, but he, he missed a stoppage time penalty on Saturday up at Inverness. He he's a, he's the kind of player that I like in that he's a good old fashioned poacher. And a few of his goals this year have basically just been him just being in the right place at the right time when the ball has broke to him in, in the six-yard box and then he, he tucks it away. He's definitely a talent. He's a young lad. He's still learning the game, so he's quite raw. But he's the big danger guy. The other one was meant to be Danny Swanson, guy that's got Premier League experience and he dropped down from playing with, with St. Johnston because he set up his own business so wanted to go part-time. But, I mean, he has been injured. He's had a bit of a groin injury. So I don't think he's probably going to feature on Saturday. I think he's still going to be out. Apart from the Swanson injury, there's been a couple of little niggles here and there. The the thing that's cost us most has been suspensions because we've had some sending offs. But, I mean, fitness-wise, the manager, Dan Young, feels that this is a really fit team. He's really happy with where their levels are just now. And I think having those games against championship sides has really kind of tested them and got them up to speed a bit quicker than maybe it would have been if they were just playing lower league opposition the whole time. They train over in Edinburgh, but with COVID restrictions, they're only able for a spell to be doing 10 at a time, which hasn't been ideal for maybe getting some chemistry going with the guys and getting your, your full starting 11 on the pitch, especially when there's been injuries and suspensions, which mix things up a little bit. Danny Swanson that I talked about, I'm concerned for him because he had loads of injuries when he was with St. Johnston. And when we signed him, we were like, how are we getting a player like Danny Swanson? This is like really weird. But I was concerned that we play in a an artificial pitch. And that I know from players playing here, like I, I've played a couple of games on, on the pitch here at BC Place and it's awful. And it's like, I could hardly move the next day. Obviously, I'm not a professional footballer, but... It's like, I know what toll it takes on your body and I'm worried about him. And now a couple of games in, he got injured with his groin and now it's not going away. They've sent him for scans. I can see him being out for the season. So Hamilton's the main danger man. Up front, the other guy to watch out for is really Ryan Wallace, a guy with a lot of lower league experience, knows the way to goal as well. Defensively is probably our biggest concern right now. We're a bit shaky at the back. So that's certainly something that I think Thistle can maybe take advantage of. But, I mean, in general, I think you'll be surprised. For a part-time team, they're actually quite a bunch of fit lads. And finally, uh, we always ask the same question to everybody when they come on to preview the game. You can be as negative as you like, but your prediction for a score on Saturday? I've been quite pessimistic in general when I'm doing my predictions this year, and I've been kind of spot on with it. I I think it's going to be a tough one. I think it's going to be a close one. But I'm I'm fancying Thistle to come through, and I'll go with 2-1 to the Jags.
Manfred, we touched on Spittles injury there. How do you think that will affect the shape of the team and the personnel for the next six weeks or perhaps for the rest of the season if we don't get the loan extended? Uh, I think it was. I think Spittles becoming to play what we all call Banzo and Doherty territory, as in no matter what he does, he's just going to be starting. God, well, what, see Gordon, like, they're going to have to let this out. What, what, why was Gordon not in the squad yesterday? I want to continue this wee bit. Is he injured as God. well? Mate, it was God. plain. Gordon played. Was he? <laughs> Started, mate. Shoot, that, that's, that's not getting out. <laughs> <laughs> that's not getting out. Gordon started yesterday. No, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Leave that and don't edit that out at all, mate. What? I didn't know Gordon was playing. Was he that bad? Like, invisible? Fucking hell. <laughs> Gordon actually played. Oh my God. I can't believe I've just done that. I'm still baffled at how Gordon started. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought he was out. Oh, he didn't start. I just uh, just checked. He played seventy minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and he did wow, man! Like that just sums up Gordon's performance. God's sake, did you see? Did you see Niang come on? Aye. Aye. Who do you think he came on for? <laughs> no, I'm st- I'm still so confused here. Right? <laughs> how? Wait, no, how did Gordon start? And I didn't even like. Did he Did he touch the ball or anything? Or like he didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still can't believe I genuinely didn't. I remember, I'm, I remember I'm having about three or four passes. To be honest, mate. That's the thing. I didn't know. God, like I can, I kind of briefly remember me commenting on everybody else apart from Gordon. I just didn't think he played. It it one back. nice turn to be fair to him in the second half. It one nice turn in the centre circle. I dragged back by a Morton player, but no, apart from that, I can't remember a single thing he did. You know, it's bad when you're trying to justify his existence in <laughs> one turn. <laughs> but back to my my question before that, oh, I can't believe I've just said that. The team I would go with would probably be writing. Well, right has is the starter now. I don't know how long Steadin's out for. I think the surgeries they've kind of just resulted to not even telling anybody how long they are unless they've had the surgery because they can't say because until the until the treatments happened. Williamson, Penrice, two full back standard. Brindley Breen. Then I'd go with Doc and Banzo in the middle and Cardo, Murray and Lines across just in behind uh, Graham. All of them three kind of just interchanging with each other because Murray can drift out wide sometimes, Cardo can drift into the middle. But I would start Cardo and Williamson on the right-hand side and because that they two are our biggest threat together. And with the crisis that we are currently getting, Williamson, he put those balls into Graham, Cardo put those balls into Graham. That, that is what we're needing. Especially the next five as well. Like that, uh, it has to be fifteen points. Ray Nodge Thistle asked a question about the injuries. We've spoken before about like how concerning the amount of injuries are, especially the the knee injuries that we seem to be getting in training. Obviously, Spittles was hamstring on a grass pitch yesterday, so maybe slightly different. But do you think there's anything we could do to to combat this, or is it just bad luck? A uh, kind of combination of bad luck, and also, uh, I mean, I have no reason to base this on. But I reckon if you look at the end of the season, there'll be a lot more players coming in with uh, knee injuries all over um, kind of lower league football. And I think it's because in lockdown, lots of people were out running um, on pavements, which can do your knees a bit of damage. And then when they came back, lots of teams were training on Astro. I think the combination of the two of them, I think, could be bad. But yeah, I think it's all, I think it's just a run of bad, bad luck and on or off the field with the two late goals and you look at Falkirk's first goal last week. There's we're not we're not getting any luck just now, but I think I think we'll, we'll turn it around. I think the interesting thing is what we do 
if we do try and replace Spittle because I think we get two loans available and also due because of the pandemic and everything that's happened, there's quite a few free agents there who you might be able to pick up till uh, January. I saw Reese Cole being banded about. Um, what I thought about was Jamie Ness who left Dundee last season. I think you will see the likes of people signing to the end of January, just trying to get a fitness, trying to get a contract, trying to get a game. So I'll be interested to see. I know we released all those statements midweek about our financial situation and stuff like that. So I think we probably won't be in a position to that, but it'll be interesting to see if we dabble, just take that gamble for two months with essentially what will be, I mean, we get two players back, but that's still, we still won't fill up even close to a bench next week. And then the longer it goes on, the more worrying it gets. Uh, I, I can see us nipping into the free agent market. I, I don't know if I'm because I'm banging on the door saying, at least just give me one. Do you know what I mean? Like, realistically, if you're picking up a, a, a free agent as a striker, like, no no questions asked, is what my free agent would be just to January. And then in January, you're like, right, what can we do? But it just feels like we're in a pure endless loop. I try and get to January and see what you can do. do you know? like, yeah. Well, obviously, last year, it was you have to bring in people. Now it's, can we get people back? And it's, it, it's like, on this podcast, we were raving about how good the squad was. And now we're like, we might have to bring in a striker till January. <laughs> Did I mean, it's just trying to catch a break, man. They said, uh, they said how long could uh, Issa is out for? Um, uh, he's no. back next week. Is he? He's yeah. back next week. Uh, you're just getting his nose reset. Uh, oh, I like one title then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it, have we heard anything about Reese Colt at Queen's Park? Is that, that absolutely... I asked my Ad? Queen's Park pal yesterday and he hadn't heard it, so I'm, I'm hoping that's just a bit of speculation. I, I live opposite Lesser Hampton, so I look on their training pitch every day, so I'll keep an eye out for them this week. They've got a, I see they've got Katongo in there. Their squad is really good. I'm scared in case we don't go up and they're fucking there next year, man. Yeah, double sessions every yeah. day and you've got so much money behind them just now. Yeah, they end up being Glasgow's third team, man. Scary fuck. <laughs> Zero points, nobody cup trip though. Yeah, nothing if you. Uh, so we already discussed last week, Reese, the importance of the next five games. Um, what do you think the team should be? How should that shape up for next for next month or so? No, no, too much about the shape of the team. I don't really know because it, it can always chop and change depending on who you're playing. But for next week, I think Graham will 100% come back into the starting eleven. You just notice the difference when he's not playing. We don't have a focal point when he, without him, but he'll be back in. As I just touched on there, uh, could I'll be back on the bench, I'd imagine. I want to see his attack, so there's no real need for two holding midfielders. So you'd think that Doc could start on the bench because it's hard to drop Bannigan after yesterday's performance. But let's be real, Doc, he's McCall's son, so he's he's starting every week. So we'll have him in place of Shea Gordon. Doc and Bandy will never get dropped, mate. Aye, never. Aye. And then, as, as you touched on, man, Pete Williamson and Cardo must start. They've been so effective in every game they've played. They're, They've got a great link-up and a great chemistry between the both of them. I'd like to see Lyons start on the wing with Conor Murray taking Blair Spittle's position. I'd probably shift Penrice back into left-back and have Richard Foster back on the bench. But I'm looking forward to next week and the week's coming up because we're playing the, the so-called lesser teams in the league. I say that, but they will likely all beat us now. But you know what I mean? We're playing the teams who you'd think, right, that's, we should be beating these teams because we've played, we've we've had the toughest opponents. We've had Falkirk, Airdrie. Cove Rangers, now it's time to play the rest of the bunch. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks and hopefully see us climb up the table. Obviously not just next week, but if Salim does get back fully fit, maybe going to up front, 
because I know McCall wanted that at the start of the season. But Brian Graham is fucking, if he gets injured, we are like, goodbye. So next up, we're going to do a feature that we've definitely not ripped off from a popular cult Scottish football TV show. We're going to create a Frankenstein monster of Thistle players. So a, a head, an upper body, legs, a left foot and a right foot. The only criteria is you must have seen them play and we'll end up with our dream Thistle player at the end of it. I'm going to start and do the head. So I'm going to choose Stephen Anderson's head. One, he was an excellent header of the ball. And two, I think he was the most sort of calm and the captain without being the captain of that back three. And I think since Liam Lindsay's left, the time that Anderson had in the team was the best our defences looked. It was the best period Sean McGinty had in a Thistle shot play next to Anderson. And it was arguably Gary Caldwell's best signing up there was Scott McDonald. So I think if you have the head of Stephen Anderson, you're going to win lots of headers at both ends of the pitch. You can chip in with a goal and you're going to calm everyone around you and be a real leader in the pitch. So Stephen Anderson's head is going to be on Frankenstein's monster. Uh, Reese, I'll come to you for upper body. A that's strong a, player. That's a shit one to get on. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I have been done here. But um, I'm just going to go... I'll go Isaac Osborne for upper body. I just felt... His his strength was actually freakish when he was he was as strong as an ox and he played a key part for us in that first season in the top flight. Yeah. Right until his unfortunate injury in that abandoned game against St Johnston. And that, that sadly basically effectively ended his career because I don't think he really kicked the ball after that. I think he had a couple of games for St Mirren, but he was brilliant for us. Um seeing his short period, I think he was actually a better player than Osman. I know Osman came after him, but I loved Isaac Osborne. I felt he was an absolute unit, mate. Like nobody could get the ball off him. He was actually a good player as well. He had a, had a bit about him, um, and I'd have loved to see more of him at Fissel. So I'll go to upper body of Isaac Osborne. That's about as best as I can do. His ending That's a good is call. Most, his ending for us is the most politic Fissel football club thing ever. Getting injured in a waterlogged pitch in a game that got abandoned against Johnston. Fucking chance have we got? David, do you want to do the legs? <laughs> See, I was thinking about this because obviously you mentioned it to me earlier and I was like, well, legs, this would be like speed, wouldn't it? This would be like fastness. The problem is all the really fast players aren't that good. But Aye, that's, why we're, that's why we've got different players' feet. Well, this is what I was thinking. So I, I narrowed it down to two. Um, either it's got to be Miles Story, who is absolutely rapid, or Mitch Austin, who was also incredibly rapid. I think didn't he? Didn't Mitch Austin like do some sort of record when he was in the A League for like fastest yeah. sprint or some nonsense yeah. like that? Uh, I'm going to throw one in there. I'm going to throw one in there and make you think about it. Adi Aziz. Can I throw in uh, Stevie Murray because he was five foot three and this would look pure class on this body. <laughs> <laughs> and Stevie Murray. That's it. Stevie Murray immediately. <laughs> See when you I said Miles yeah. <laughs> hey, Stevie, Stevie Murray's legs on the body of Isaac Osborne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you uh, when you said Miles Story, I would say who did it. One of the players who played for Thistle at the time said playing with Miles Story was a fucking nightmare because if you played a ball in front of him, he could run directly on it. But if you did it like slightly diagonal of him, he would never be able to control it properly. So the team would automatically try and only get the ball right in front of him. If he had to run onto something, it was kind of game over. Jeez. Impressing, isn't it? <laughs> so, David, is Stevie Murray your final answer? Stevie Murray, uh, final answer, Chris, aye. Thanks. Uh, Mantreat, left foot. Doolins. 
doesn't it? It's just it's fucking. No, even don't even need to explain that the fucking the king. Oh, I, I, I don't even need to say. I all need to say is Dylan and everybody here will just, just know I'd, what I'm on about. I disagree. Best left foot I've seen at this. How how old are you, man, Pete? Twenty. Ah, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't have seen him. I don't think. Uh, who's the oldest? Who's the other oldest on this? Me, I'm thirty-one. But I, I was a golf when I was a teenager, so I didn't go to Fisher Gate. Ah, golf through and everything. Uh, we, we, uh, early, nah, early to mid 2000s, we had Bob McCulloch at left back. And he scored, this isn't an exaggeration, maybe 10 or 11 free kicks that season. And he would just run up and fucking rattle it into the top corner <laughs> to the point where you would get a free kick 25 yards out. You'd be like, class, we're 1 0 up now. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, he was like a classic Thistle player, just quite a chunky left back. But oh, absolutely amazing uh, free kicks. So I would go him out okay, of the depends if. If he's only got Stevie Murray's legs, you want a power in that foot. So I don't know. <laughs> Aye, I want to make a shout. Like, see all, see all your lazy players, like players that don't run. They're always technically the best. And uh, I need Ross to mention Bob. Ross Bob's mate. Oh, Absolute wonder of a left foot. It could spray anywhere, and he could just put it in the top corner for about forty yards. Man, what a player he was! Absolute so, magician. I remember seeing something on Twitter that see in an alternate universe, there's roller no off subs, and Ross Bob's is the best football player. <laughs> I remember we scored, we won 5-0 or 5-1, I think it was Dunfermline we beat, aye, and he picked aye. one in the top corner, that was oh, an absolute beauty. Aye, he's sticking with Dylan. Right, Ray, I'll come, to you for the, I'll come to you for the right foot, but can I also ask, why does nobody say a player's got a wand of a right foot? Because uh, most people... Because that's just natural. Aye, well, you might have said Beckham, maybe, you might have said a wand of a right foot, maybe a push. Right foot. Right, so who else have we got, right? So it's... Steve Anson's head, like a, I mean, you might go Erskine probably because he was he could play with both feet. So I think Erskine's probably the most. Well, what was it? What's the phrase? Ah, oh, on his debut, one of the papers said he ran like a baby giraffe, <laughs> and that's what I always think about when I see him play. He was so <laughs> uncouth and just like everything about him should have been shite, but he was amazing. Yeah, so maybe him. Oh, yeah, I think he's probably. One of the technically the best players I've seen at Far in a while. So if you've got, I suppose also, because they're wee lovebirds as well, if you've got Dylan's left foot, you have to have Erskine's right foot. So just to go over that, the, the Frankenstein's monster we've created is Stephen Anderson's head, Isaac Osborne's upper body, Stevie Murray's legs, Chris Dylan's left foot, and Chris Erskine's right foot. I would pay so much money to see that, just for the, the, the Osborne-Murray dichotomy. And what, what position is this guy going to be? Also, see if he's only got five foot four legs, it's kind of missing the point of him being amazing in the air. <laughs> he's got some leap on him, though. He's got some leap on him. So, moving on, Ray, some Thistle fans will know you as uh, one of the right backs who played in Chris Jones' testimonial. Do you want to tell us what that day was like and what the, the testimonial year was like for you? Aye, the testimonial was like just a such a surreal thing so I'd, I've known Dylan for years and then maybe just before his testimonial year started he texted me to go meet him so I went to meet him and he was like can you put on a comedy gig for part of my testimonial year so we got uh, got the Webster's Theatre in the West End so we sold 180 tickets in about a day or two which was nice and got guys from like Carl Donnelly who's done Mock the Week and Live at the Apollo and stuff so it's really a good one and then 
he asked me to host his testimonial dinner. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then maybe about two weeks before the testimonial, he was, he met, he, I think he just sent me a WhatsApp message. He was like, do you want to play in the testimonial? And uh, my wee boy had been born like the day before I got this message. And I was like, I don't know which one of these things is better. And it was, it was so surreal, man. But the problem was, I play football pretty regularly. I play amateur. I broke my toe like at the start of August. So I hadn't really played any football and my wee boy was two weeks old by the time I played in Dulce's testimonial. So I hadn't really slept for two weeks. And I hadn't played football for six weeks. So I was like, right, okay. And I didn't really know a lot of the squad because, I mean, my first, I had a season ticket from like maybe 1999, 2000 until about 2006, 2007 before I went and moved away. And a lot of those guys were like my heroes growing up. And I was just sitting in a change room with them. So I only really knew Dylan, I knew Erskine kind of, I knew Stevie Lawless, who is just a wee fanny, um, and David Rowson and Martin Hardy were probably the only ones I knew. So I sit in the changing room, and it's like the most surreal thing. So the Farhill changing room is like a, a horseshoe shape. So along the left-hand side, so I'm at the right-hand side, the, near the corner, next to Shower. So I'm sitting next to Steph Craig, and uh, but opposite me, this is the order it went. I was just looking at Tam Cherney, Scott Fox, Stephen O'Donnell, Archie, Stephen Cragen, Shaggy, and then it just worked all the way around through, and then there was like Banzo, Dills, Erskine, uh, Chick, Charlie, I knew Chick as well, Chick was there, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, this is class, and then they read out the team, and they went, okay, Ray, you're going to be on between the 30th and the 70th minute, and I was like, what? So I genuinely thought I was going to play about five minutes. I started to shit myself a little bit. And then they asked me to give a team talk in the change room, which was very surreal. Uh, so I had to give a team talk. So I remember Jerry Britton afterwards said to me, in front of everyone, so I did the team talk and Jerry was like, oh, I thought we were getting a comedian. And I said, I think this is almost what I said verbatim. I went, I know it's, it's a shame when you get disappointed. All the fans thought we were getting a proper chief executive. And then he just kind of <laughs> stared me down. And I was like, right, okay, I think we're good. <laughs> So I went in and like Conrad kept on coming over, Balatoni kept on trying to sell me life insurance throughout the game because uh, that's what he does now. <laughs> it's so weird. And then we went to the dugout and then, I don't know if you remember, Caldwell swapped the dugouts. So all the ex-players went to the wrong dugout. We were all in the wrong, that's a stupid thing. So I was just sitting in the dugout watching league one inside, pure enjoying it. And then I get subbed on and I was meant to go back, I was meant to go on at left back. I think I was replacing Stephen O'Donnell, which is mental considering the weeks we've had very different weeks and uh, Taylor Sinclair was meant to go to right back and I jogged onto the pitch and I said to Taylor Sinclair I was like hey, I'm left back now you have to move on to right back and he went to me do you want to play right back and I was like I don't mind mate why and he went uh, I don't have a club so it'd be good to get some uh, game time at left back so I was like yeah fair enough so I went over to right back and I was up against Barry Robson who was an absolute psychopath. I nearly scored an OG with my first touch. And because, like, there's certain things I, I realised in that game. I could not believe how quiet Scott Fox was in goals. Like, he didn't really shout or anything like that. And he also got pure bullied in the I dressing room by the boys. He was, I, like... I can believe it. So, so, so quiet. So a cross came in, and I thought he would have come for it. And then I didn't hear it, so I kind of went and hit my thigh and out for a corner. And I was like, oh, this is weird. And then yeah, the I back... I can't believe that with Scott Fox, to be fair. Yeah. Not coming yeah. for a cross. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The back four was me, Cragen, Patterson, and Taylor Sinclair. And I was like, well, this is class. Uh, so Massimo Donati skinned me an absolute belter. 
And I turned to Craig and I was like, I can't deal with him at all. And he just looked at me and was like, mate, he played for AC Milan. And I was like, yeah, fair point, actually, that's good. And then I went for a 50-50 with Barry Robson and I kind of won it, but he like followed through and kind of stamped all of my foot. Uh, we kind of fell over in like a clash and I think, uh, we, I think I kicked it off him, so we wanted a goal kick. I went to him, I was like, calm down, mate, it's only a friendly. And Barry Robson looked me dead in the eyes and went, there's no such thing as a friendly, and then ran away. And Paul Payton, had been back, Paul Payton had been back in the goal and ran by me and went, stay away from Robson, he's a fucking psycho. And they just jogged by me. I was like, cool, thanks for letting me know. The rest of the game was fine. It was just mad. I remember some of the boys I know, Ross Calder, who I went to school with. I got skinned by a bit Tom Boyd. I remember jogging back, trying to run back. And it's my, my dream to play it for all this time. And I just heard Ross shout, show some fucking passion, Bradshaw. And I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. Uh, but apart from that, it was so, it was so good being out there that day and just playing with all these guys that are like your heroes. And then after the game, they were all going to get pissed and I had to go gig because I was I was on tour with Frankie Boyle at the time. So yeah, that day I played at Fur Hill in the afternoon and then played the King's Theatre at night. So it was like one of the best days of my life. It was so, so good. And then at the testimonial dinner I just ended up getting really pissed with all the players and that's why like uh, Banjo and all that were great fun and then in January actually uh, Jerry got me in so I did a team building day so I gigged at the team building day on the 1st of February uh, just after the transfer window closed this uh, Christmas there and like Darian McKinnon is an absolutely terrifying person to tell 25 minutes of jokes in front of it just stared me down the whole time, like barely smiled. I was chatting to the boys afterwards and like that's when I thought we were going to do so well because Jerry was telling me that they'd signed every player that McCall had wanted with the exception of Alan Forrest and like everything was going well. And then after I did a gig, we didn't win a game for 10 months, which just shows how shite I am at comedy. <laughs> Darren McKinnon was the one I remember. He's the most terrifying man I've ever seen it for. Because I remember I went to a game and it was against Queen's Park. And a Queen's Park player absolutely scythed a player. And Darian McKinnon ran up to the referee and went, fuck's sake, ref, that's a tackle I would make. <laughs> he was, uh, he just stared me down the whole time, like just sipping out a pint glass with water, as if, like, if this joke's shite, I'm going to chew on this. <laughs> anyway, you mentioned the Gary Caldwell interview that you did earlier. That was an off the ball, wasn't it? Yeah, so I've hosted off the ball a few times and... Usually, so if I'm hosting it Saturday, usually you do the 12 till 2 show, then half 5 till 7. If you're lucky, you might get text the guests on the Friday night. And then, or usually when you go in on the Saturday morning at 9 a.m., so you go for like a few meetings and plan it out, eh, they'll tell you who the guests are. So I was hosting this on the Saturday, and the producer texts me on the Wednesday and went, Guests who we've got booked for Saturday. So I was like, I don't know who. And then he just sent me like, it wasn't even a picture, it's clear he's like zoomed in on it in a screenshot of just Gary Caldwell's face, like zoomed in, so it took up my whole screen. And I was like, no, nah, you're at it, not a chance. And he was like, no, nah, we've booked Gary Caldwell, um, so you're going to be interviewing him for two hours. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is designed to get me sacked off the BBC. Like, that's the only way this can happen. And we go in, and I sat down with, uh, I was presenting with Tam that day, Tam Kevin, I think. I said to him, I think... One of my problems I have with a lot of media, sports sound included, is when a manager gets sacked, they get welcomed back into a media role and never really criticised for the rubbish job they did. So I was like, I'd like to have a go at them today if that's okay with you. And they were like, yeah, but kind of don't make it too obvious. Rain it in every now and then. 
So I'd never met him. I didn't know anything about him, uh, like personally. So I meet him before I go into the studio. And what happens in Off The Ball is for the first 25 minutes, it's just the two presenters chatting in the studio and the two guests, whoever the guests are going to be that day, sit outside and they'll give them the topics that are going to happen and you kind of write down jokes or whatever. And when I met Guy Caldwell, the producer made a thing of saying, oh, Ray's a Thistle fan, blah, blah, he's got some opinions on you. He said something like that and we walked away. And then later on, one of the runners saw Gary Caldwell on my Twitter uh, account reading tweets, one of which said, uh, Gary Caldwell's been sacked and I'll be wanking for the next 48 hours or something like that. <laughs> Fuck me, mate. So, fucking hell. That's, that's, that set the tone. He comes into the studio, sits down next to me, and then they go, okay, you can ask your first question, fire away. So I said, my first question was, Queen of South, away, we're 3-0 up. You know deep down you're probably going to be releasing Chris Doolan on the Tuesday. We're 3-0 up. We've got one sub left. It's 82nd minute. Why do you bring Gary Harkins on? And why do you not bring Doolan on for a final fanfare for a club he's given a lot to? And he said something like, you have to win the game. And I was like, but we had won the game. And he was like, no, but I, th- I thought that was the better sub to do. And it's not about pleasing the fans. It's about making sure you get the result. So I said something like, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard or something like that. And then that's how we started the interview. And then for the next hour and a half, it was just kind of awkward. And then there's, there was one bit where he's, I asked him about the SAS training day. Do you remember when, oh, what was he called? Who was that? Bryce and Twambe started crying, ran away. So I was like, what were you doing there? And he was like, oh, I just wanted to get the team tested for tough situations. And I was like, oh, like when you were inevitably going to get us in a relegation battle. And then there was silence, like silence for about four or five seconds while he's like just staring me down. And then my headphone, so I've got headphones on and all I can hear is the producer go, oh, like if you're stirring me on. And then we were getting, we were getting emails into the studio being like, this is some of the most awkward radio I have ever heard and I love it. And yeah, I came out, I came out and I went to Far Hill that day. We were playing, oh, it was Christmas time last year. I can't remember who we were playing. Uh, Dundee, we lost 1-0, Paul McGowan scored. I, I came out and I, I was driving up for a hill because I didn't really look at my phone because I wanted to get a kickoff. And I came out and it was just tons of messages like, fair play, I thought you were going to shite it, but that was so awkward, I loved it. And um, I, since then, have not heard anything from him. I followed him on Twitter so he could see some of my tweets again, but then he didn't follow me back, so I just unfollowed him. But that was my <laughs> day with Gary Caldwell. I remember hearing about that and I went to listen to the podcast. So they edited, I know they edited all the good bits. Yeah, because they, so like some of the bits they've edited, so it looks like we're getting on. But <laughs> I just think, yeah, I just think he is the worst thing to happen to our club in a long, long time. Yeah, I really agree. I think. Yeah, one question I wanted to ask: Did you get a copy of the audio? No, no, I didn't actually. Because no. I, I, I think that if I was in that situation. Like it's a bit of a dream situation as well, but also a nightmare at the same time. Where you're like, you get you have a, a public forum where you can absolutely just take out all your frustrations on someone, but it's also being broadcast on national like radio. The thing is, trying not to swear that's the hardest bit. Yeah, I, I can imagine, but I, yeah, like I would, I would be getting on the phone to off the ball and asking if they've got a copy of the audio just for your own. I'd be like, do the lawyers have a copy? If so, can I get one, please? <laughs>
Uh, Ray, do you want to plug any any work you're doing? I know it's not great for comedians at the moment, but yeah, I know you've nah. been doing a few. Is it drive-in shows you've been doing? Ah, uh, they've all finished. I no, no, nothing to plug to be honest. Uh, they can. Oh yeah, so I did a podcast, Soccer FM. If you want to go back and listen to the um, old episodes, there's we interviewed lots of ex Thistle players. Dules has been. On, I think Dules presented at one time when I couldn't do it. Um, Lots of players, if you're going to pick out one, the best one uh, from a former Thistle player is Johnny Vini, who was, I would say, a cult player. Lots of people would say a shite player um, under Jerry Collins. And uh, it's the story about how, because we signed him from Chelsea and he was not that great. So I asked him how he uh, got a contract at Thistle uh, after getting Chelsea. And this is a genuine true story. He played for France under 17s against, I can't remember who it was, it was at Chelsea at the time, and then he stood outside the Chelsea training ground for 10 days until they invited him in for a trial, and they went in and played amazing and then got a two-year contract. Uh, And now he lives in Greenock and works for IBM, and he's a kickboxer. But yeah, he's definitely worth listening to. He also got uh, stretchered off at Furhill when we beat Livy 5-2 for doing an overhead kick in his own box to clear the ball. And then on, on the stretcher, he waved like the Queen. It's one of the best things I've ever seen at Farhill. It was amazing. <laughs> when the evil can even thumbs up, he's all right. <laughs> so good. Ray, you done one with uh, Adam Stratton, didn't you? I thought that was a brilliant one. Like, he's got, just got such a, just say, a different career path to many, many fussy yeah, players. Yeah, he was actually really, really good and really honest. I forgot we did Adam Stratton. He was really good, actually. I'll check that one out. There's a great, um, Stephen, who I did the podcast with, he used to clip lines out all the time and just sending them his voice notes and one of them is, I say to Adam Strachan is so is that when they found the heroin down your pants so that's a good one to check out as well thanks for joining us on Draw Loser Draw we'll be back next week to look back on our home match against his Fife and to preview our away trip to Montrose as always stay safe and wear a mask <laughs> <laughs>